God bless everybody here today. We already feel the presence of God. So we don't have to stop and pray and invite him here. He's here. We felt his presence here as we've been singing these songs here this morning. But I want us all, before we get into the message, I want us all to lift our hands and close our eyes and want us to lift up Jesus and praise him this morning. And let's go ahead and welcome him here even though he's already here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we welcome you to this place this morning. We welcome you into the presence of everyone in this, in this place. We ask you, God, to minister to our minds, comfort our souls and our spirits, speak to our hearts, cleanse us and purify us with the word of God. Move through our hearts and souls, Lord. Help us, O oh God, with the hunger we feel for you in Jesus' name. Minister to everyone that's in this place. And we ask in the name of Jesus and we pray. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. If it wasn't for grace, none of us would be saved. None of us would have a chance if it wasn't for grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. To save a wretch like me. Me. Because I know what I did when I was out in the world. I know what I did. We've all got skeletons in our closet. But God takes that blood and destroys those skeletons. Just like he did in the Old Testament when he took and, and, and rose up the bones and brought life and flesh back to them. He could take our skeletons and crush them down to dust. And I'm talking about the skeletons of sin of our life. That's the grace that God gives to this world. Praise God. Today, my top, the, the, the title of my message today is called, This is That God. This is That God. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 says this. This is our text reading. For though there be that there are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father of, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 27. Then Paul stood by the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by... I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him I declare unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing that he giveth to all life and breath and all things, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might seek after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. This is that God that was labeled the unknown God at Mars Hill that Paul saw an altar built to. This is that God that Paul declared unto them. 
Throughout the ages of time, man has had many gods of some sort in his life. These gods have been mythological beings from such as Zeus, Apollo, Hades, and many other Greek mythological stories from the times past. Many gods that man has created are designated as gods. They have no form, no body, or even said to be gods in inanimate objects such as statues or carved figures. Many worshipped gods that have been designated such as the sun god, or even goddesses such as Venus, which is another mythological Greek god. But even today, even today, in this modern day, in this present time, people have set things in their lives as gods. Some have gods of money. They worship and serve the almighty dollar. Some will stop at nothing to perform their devious deeds to achieve their monetary wealth. If they have to step on you or step on me or push one of us down or do something to defame our character to get what they want, they'll do it. Some have gods in the sports figures or Hollywood stars. And they would do anything to meet those gods or to be with those gods. Amen. And still, even others worship gods of inanimate objects such as cars, homes, boats, all the man-made materials that's going to rust and eventually break down and discard. But there is a God, a God that is that God, that will be much more than just a little God, G, to us. Because this God that I'm talking about has power. This God can speak things into existence. This God can do things for you that nobody else can do. This is that God that will love us and provide for us all the things that we need so that one day we will be with him in our heavenly home to live in the mansion that he's prepared for us. This is that God. This is that God that created the heavens and the earth and the entire universe. This is that God that just threw the stars out. But when he just threw the stars out, they landed into position. And they made these constellations. Now, Orion is one of the easiest constellations to find in the winter and the, uh, the late winter sky. You look out kind of toward the southwest, up in the night sky, and there he is. Now, Orion, if you look up at the stars, there's two stars up here making the shoulders. There's two stars down here making the feet. There's three stars in the center making the belt. Now, these stars are not all on the same plane, meaning that they're side by side and equal distance from each other. These stars are set. One could be thousands of light years away. The other could be this many thousands of light years away. The belts could be all divided in thousands of light years apart. But because of the brightness that each star projects to this earth, every one of them looks like they're in the same plane, side by side. And that is this God's handiwork. Yes, That's what he did to show the magnificence of his power. Hallelujah. This is that God that by his own spoken word said, let there be light. And there was light. This is that God that created all creatures from his spoken word. This is that God that created us, humanity, from the very dust of the earth. 
and he created us in the likeness of his own image. So that means if we have happiness, sadness, anger, disappointment, whatever we have, God feels these things because he is a living God. And I said disappointment, didn't I? But you know what? God can get disappointed in the way things are going in this world because it's not the way he designed it. We can feel silliness. We, can ha we have a sense of humor because God has a sense of humor. God can be silly. I know he can. People want to make God in too much of a serious box. They don't want to see him as a happy God, a God that loves us, that wants to frolic and play with his children. I'll give you an example of God's handiwork in his sense of humor. Look at the giraffe. Look at the giraffe. The body comes up about as tall as I am or higher. And then the neck goes way up. Look at the zebra. All the stripes. It comes down on the bodies of the zebras. But yet, look, you've got horses. You've got donkeys. They're all pretty much solid colors, give or take. But so, you know, those things can represent some of the, some of the, the, the side of God that he's sitting up there and saying, well, watch what I'm going to do here now. And then we have the zebra, the giraffe. We have fish in this ocean. That There's fish that actually they have discovered there are fish that has a similarity of the shape of a human face. I've seen pictures of it. Now you can't tell me that this is not that God that done all this great handiwork to, give, to, to put us human beings in amazement and awe of his power and his, and his ability which is limitless. But this is that God that has all wisdom, all knowledge, and all understanding, and he will disperse it to us liberally if we ask for it. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. But if you ask amiss and you ask to consume it upon your own lust, you ain't going to get it. Do I ask for a million dollars? After I paid my tithes off of it and taxes? Not necessarily. Because you know what? I want to consume it upon my own lust. I want to take it out here and go buy this and buy that. Because I'm a human being just like the rest of us. Do I take these little inanimate objects and make a little G-God out of it? Not necessarily. But we all want things. Nobody in this universe, in this anywhere we are, there, we don't go without wanting something. But we need to want it from the right spirit and the right frame of mind. But that's what this God can do. Is provide anything you want or need as long as it's going to be in his plan. This is that God that before creation was, was and time began, this is that God that had, had a plan set forth. To redeem his human creation from their fallen state of sin. This had not even happened yet. But he had a plan set in motion. This is that God that knew the state that his human creations would fall into. He had already implemented a plan to take place thousands of years before creation and time ever began. He knew what was going to happen to his creation. 
God knows everything. He knows from the beginning to the end and all in between. He gives us a little bit of finite mind, in finite mind to, to think things that, he, that we're able to think. But his goes beyond the ability that we could ever comprehend. This is that God that went down to the pits of hell to retrieve the keys from Satan in order that we, he may rescue us from the eternal flames of hell. We're not destined to go to hell originally. But because of the fall of Adam and Eve, that destined all humanity to hell. A devil's hell that was created for Satan and the fallen angels. That's what that was for. But God had a way to rescue us from those flames of hell. This is that God that said in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This is that God that will water your spiritual dryness even while you are still in the wilderness desert place. This is that God that while you're in the backside of your desert struggling through the things in your life, trying to be faithful, doing things for God that he's called you to do, going to church, praying, reading your Bible, Doing the ministries he set forth to you to do, you're still in the wilderness in a dry place. And he waters the spirits. He waters those spirits and refreshes us and encourages us to continue to go on. This is that God that met Moses at the burning bush. This is that God that will meet you and me at our burning bush experience with him. Now throughout our lifetime, we very well may have more than one burning bush experience with God. Because God helps us to grow on different levels at different points in time in our life. And each time we have a burning bush experience with him, it's like being in the very presence of God, in the throne room. This is that God that brought forth the plagues upon Egypt. This is that God that sent the death angel to take the firstborn of every family unless they had the lamb's blood over the doorposts. This same God allowed the death angel to take Pharaoh's firstborn son because Pharaoh did not believe in the God of Moses. He didn't believe that Moses told him, God said, if you don't put the, the, the blood over the doorpost, I'm taking your firstborn. Pharaoh didn't believe this. But this is that God that showed Pharaoh, I'll show you. This is that God that brought the Israelites out of the Egypt and he brought them to the Red Sea. And they started murmuring and complaining, where are we going, Moses? We're faced here at the sea. Now look back here. Here comes Pharaoh and all of his chariots. They're coming after us. What are we going to do, Moses? God told Moses to stick out a staff out over the, rock, over the water. God began to part the waters. And he brought two gigantic walls of water on both sides. How wide was the path between the walls? We do not know. How high were the waters? We do not know. But when God told Moses to tell the people to cross over on that land, across that sea, that land was dry ground. Dry. That means the chariots, the wheels, the wagons, none of them got stuck in mud because there was no mud there. Dry land. This is that God that can perform a miracle and you've never seen it.
This is that God that was with David when he threw the stone and hit Goliath in his head, killing him. This is that God. The Bible says that that stone sunk into his head. Now, out of the slingshot that David had, there's no way that that power could have been enough to hit a man in the head, break his skull, and cave it in to where that stone would sink into his head. God's power was behind that stone. This is that God that when you stand up for him, he'll stand up for you. This is that God that heals afflictions, sicknesses, diseases, and the God that will restore relationships, not only with himself, but with between you and me and any of our other people. If you've got a beef with a family member, if you've got somebody in your family or friends that you haven't talked to in years because there's a little rift between you, this God, if you'll take it to him, what did we sing just a few minutes ago? What a friend we have in Jesus. Take it all to God in prayer. Take it to the Lord. If you've got something against somebody in your, in your life, whether they be here, whether they be in your family or somebody else, take it to God in prayer. Tell God to help lay it on their heart and your heart that you may meet together and, 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 and forgive each other because time's running out and we don't have time to be ill and aggravated with each other. This is that God that can restore backsliders, this known God, known the faith, been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, that they've turned their back on God. But he is a God of restoration. This is that God that loves us so much that unless this person blasphemes, unless you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you've got a chance to get back. God loves us that much. And this is that God that has more love for us than we can even comprehend. This is that God that says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. God will repay the devils and the demons for what they have done to his children and humanity. He will repay them for the things that they have stolen from us. Stolen sometimes, stolen our health, stolen our finances by causing us to lose jobs, stolen things from us in, in just many, many ways without having to name them. But we must allow God to fight our battles and quit fight, trying to fight them ourselves. I know I try to fight my own battle. We can all raise our hands and say, we have tried to fight our own battles. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. That's right. Because the battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. The battle and the war is between God and Satan. Now you ask, how is it that God has all power and Satan over here, how is it that they're battling each other and God can't just wipe him out? I can't answer that. I can't answer that how much power God gives to Satan and allows him to do. I can't answer that. I don't understand it. I don't understand how he allows Satan to do this. But God said, the battle ain't yours. It ain't yours, Governor's Glen residents. It ain't yours, Brother Ron, Sister Shaw, Sister McDermott, Sister Wild, Brother Daryl. It ain't our battle. It's God's. But we're right in the middle of it. We're right in the middle of it. We're on the front lines. And what we've got to do is try our best to stay in the trenches through prayer, through reading our Bible, through going to church, through coming to these services we come to you folks for, and doing everything you know to do to do right. Stay in the trench. Let God stay on the front line and fight the battle. This is that God that cares enough about you and me to fight for us. This is that God that will also give you peace right in the middle of your storms. 
This is that God that when the storm came up upon the disciples and Jesus was back in the back of the boat and they were scared. They thought that the boat was going to capsize because apparently the wind and the waves must have been pretty strong. And Peter, John, and whoever, the disciples went back there and they woke Jesus up and they said, Jesus, Master, Rabbi, help us. We may perish. Jesus stood up and said, Peace, be still. And immediately, those wind and waves calmed. Jesus can calm our storms that we're going through. But most of the time, he's going to calm us. He's going to calm us inside our mind, our heart, our spirit, and our emotions. And to help us to not stress ourselves out over what we're going through. He may not remove the storms. Sometimes he will remove the storms. Sometimes he'll calm the storms down and let us, let us kind of float along with them sometimes. But as I have seen in my own life, most of the time, until those storms come to an end, because there's a time and a beginning, beginning and an end of the storm. And they will end. But most of the time I've seen him calm me down. Give me peace. So that I can stand here and I said, okay. Now, matter of fact, let me tell you what happened last night. I, don't, I, I had gone, I had gone to, the, to the funeral home while one of my aunts passed away. And I'm driving back. And this hissing that I've told you all about in my ears, yesterday for the last several days, it had been fairly loud. So I get home, and I'm sitting here getting my clothes off, getting ready to go to bed. And I sat there and just said to myself, well, I said it out loud. I said, Satan, you're not going to win this one. I said, I'm going to, I said, I'm going to win this battle that you've attacked me with on my ears. And ultimately, Satan, I'm going to win the war. You're the loser. I'm the winner. I have God on my side. And you know what that meant? That meant that God was strengthening my spirit, man. That means God that was touching me, ministering to my mind and my heart to keep my de determination and my perseverance to go forth and not let Satan beat me down with this hissing in my ears. I've been down on my back for the last few days because we've been trying to remodel our house and do some things in it. Well, right now, look at me. Look at me. My back ain't bothering me a bit. Is it going to bother me when I sit down? That's most of the time when it's been hurting. Well, you know what? I'm going to say in the name of Jesus Christ, I ain't going to have no more back problem. But if I do, I do. And God's going to give me the peace and the ability to go through it until this, this gets over with. But look at me. Look at me. It's because I'm not going to allow Satan to beat me up and win the war. Because this is that God that said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Do I sound like I'm mad and angry? Yeah, I'm mad and angry, but I'm mad and angry at Satan. I'm mad and angry at what he's done to all of us. I'm mad and angry at what he's done to you folks. I'm mad and angry at what he's done to my family. I'm mad and angry at what he's done to people in my church. Because I'm fed up with it. I'm fed up with it. I'm 56 years old, and I've got a lot of life to live. And by George, Satan's not going to destroy me and my health and anything to destroy the ministry I have. Because my God said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So yeah, I'm mad. But I'm mad at the devil. Praise God. This is that God that showed himself to the disciples and the resurrection from the grave. And especially to Thomas, who doubted it. 
Thomas had told the disciples, he said, they said, hey, Thomas, come here. We saw him. We saw him. He said, unless I see him and thrust my fingers into his, into his fingers, into his side, he says, I ain't going to believe it. You know, Thomas, think about this. This is something that the Lord kind of enlightened me the other day. The Sadducees, they're the ones, that, the group of Sadducees are the ones that said they do not believe in the resurrection. But Thomas could have been influenced from, the, from teachings from the Sadducees, possibly. Now, I'm just, I'm just speculating on this. I'm not adding this to the Word of God. I'm just speculating it. This is, it's one of those, it could have happened. He could have been influenced by people like the Sadducees to say, hey, if I don't see it happen right before my eyes, I'm not going to believe it. But one day, Jesus appeared to all of them, and Thomas was there. And John 20 and 27, this is what he says. Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, Now listen to what Thomas said. My Lord and my God. This is that God that Thomas acknowledged because he saw. But Jesus went on and said this. Thomas, because thou hast seen me and thou hast believed, that's blessed. You're blessed. I'm just going to paraphrase it. And that's good that you've seen me and believe. But blessed are those that have never seen me that is going to believe that I resurrected from the dead. That means from the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, 2,000 plus years later to today, right now, May 23rd, today's my daughter's birthday, 24 years old. Today. We believe in Jesus Christ and the resurrection, but we've never seen him. We're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. This is that God that willingly died on that cross. He allowed himself to be nailed to that cross to save us from a Satan's hell. This is that God that freely gave his body. This is that God that gives everybody a chance to know him as their Savior. And to not have to stand before him as a judge one day. This is that God that's patient and long-suffering with us. He's not only long-suffering with us, but people of the world that don't know him. Because he wants us to get with him. God was long-suffering and patient with me before I was ever in the church. When I was out here running around and playing in rock bands and doing things I shouldn't have been doing, God was patient with me. He must have seen down the road. He says, I see, I see a little guy right over there. He don't know his way right now. He don't know what he's doing, but I see him. There he is, Daryl Collins. There he is. Now, I can look, 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 look. Now, now look, look, look here, angels. Look here, Gabriel. Look at Michael. Look here. In about 25 years, he's going to be up preaching at nursing homes. Now, look at that. You think I'm patting myself on the back? No, I ain't. Don't mistake what I say for thinking I'm lifting myself up because I'm not. Because I know what I used to be when he could have looked out there and saw me playing in a rock band and doing the things I used to do. Used to do. I never thought I'd be over here preaching in a nursing home. I never thought I'd be doing anything per per pertaining to religious and, 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 and biblical things. But this is that God that looked at me and said, there's one that I'm going to have. He's going to be mine one day. <laughs> I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Not at all, y'all. Y'all just don't know some of the things I've done. But it's under the blood. It's under the blood. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. It's under the blood. 
But this is that God that gets ridiculed and mocked every day by atheists, by people that don't know him, people that mock him, people that lie, people that sit there and try to deny and try to make you believe that there's no God. But down in your heart, you know there's a God. And his name is Jesus. But this is that God that loves the people that even blasphemes him, mocks him, comes against him and stands up just like what we're Christians are facing in this world, in this country right now. But this is because of, this is what's been prophesied in the word of God. Now how much more time do we have in this world before the rapture is going to happen? Is the rapture going to happen in my lifetime? Am I going to be somewhere one day, one night and all of a sudden I'm in heaven? Am I going to go to the grave before the rapture happens? I don't know. You don't know. But what I'll tell you is this. If you have never been baptized in the water in the name of Jesus Christ, even if you've been baptized any other way than what people say, churches say, if it doesn't be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you've got to go down in the name of Jesus. That's going to get the sins washed away. No titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is going to do it. You can't baptize, I can't baptize you in my name and have, have your sins washed away. I didn't die on the cross for you. Jesus did. It's His name. It's all in His name. This is that God that does miracles for us every day in this world. Somewhere in this world, God's doing a miracle for somebody right now. Right now. Several years ago, one of the, one of the most well-known evangelists of our church organization, Brother Lee Stonekeen, had a heart attack and died. This man died. He was pronounced dead for 45 minutes. But somewhere along the way, God intervened and said, Whoa! What happened here? Why did my man Lee Stonekeen have a heart attack and die? He's lived for me and done what I've told him to do. I will resurrect him. Lee Stone King was resurrected from the dead after 45 minutes. He's still alive and well and preaching right now. Because this is that God that stands up and fights for his people. And if you haven't been born again, baptized in Jesus' name, if you've never received the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, then you need it today. This is the day of salvation. This is the day that we need to give our lives to God. Because you don't want to stand before God and look at Him as your judge and see the beautiful magnificence of God, but He's your judge. And you'll have to be standing there before me and judge you. And He'll send you to hell because the Word of God's going to judge us. You want to stand before God as your Savior. You want to walk up to him and give him a big hug and down, kneel down before him and take off any crown you have and lay it at his feet. Because we know that this is that God that's worthy of every bit of this. So in the conclusion of my story, my message today, this is that God that has sent Apostolic Tabernacle to this nursing home some five to six years ago. This is that God that is bringing people that care about y'all this is that God that we want to see y'all baptized in Jesus' name. And we want to hear you speaking in tongues. But you have to lift up your voice. You can't speak in tongues unless you freak out and praise God. And if any of you right now today want to receive the Holy Ghost, we've got ladies here that will pray with you. But you've got to lift up your voice. 
We had a brother Campitella come and preach for us about a year ago. And he instructed the people. We had 32 people receive the Holy Ghost that morning. Now what you first have to do is you have to first repent and tell God that you're sorry for the things that you've done in your life and you're sorry that you were born into sin. And if you sincerely mean it from your heart, that's all it takes. Then you need to lift up your voice and praise God. Say words of adoration to Him. Praise Him and say thanks to Him that you know how much you love Him. And then as your, your speech begins to get slurred or changed into a different way of speaking, don't try to correct yourself and continue to speak English. Allow the Holy Ghost to take control and give you the language, which is this language of an unknown language. It's unknown to us, but in heaven it's known. And that's speaking in tongues, and that's receiving the Holy Ghost, which happened to every one of us and happened to me 21 and a half years ago. So if anybody feels the, the, the tug at their heart right now, if you feel the conviction or the tug at your heart and you want to pray for the Holy Ghost, you just raise your hand and the, one of these ladies will come and pray with you right now as we begin to sing the last song of our, of our, of our service.
Touch them in their minds and clear their minds, O oh God. Washing away, O oh Lord Jesus, these situations that they're under. And we ask you, God, Lord, that you would rise up strength in this place. Soldiers, soldiers of the cross. Soldiers that can lead and direct others into this place to do your work and to be ministers planted in this place, Lord, to share the word of God. And we praise your name today for the ministry and what you've done in this place today. We praise you, God, for the word, because your word will never come back to you, boy. It will accomplish that which you set it out to do. And we know in the name of Jesus that not one jot or one tittle will pass away until all of the prophecies have been fulfilled in the word of God. And God, you sent us here for a purpose. You sent us here to this place some five to six years ago for a purpose. And we pray, God, that your will will be done in this facility. Amongst the residents, amongst the nurses, amongst the staff. That this would be a house of refuge in a holy way, in a holy place. That in the name of Jesus, your name, your spirit would rest in this place. In Jesus' name. Because it's all about you, Lord. It's all about you. It's not about us. We're willing vessels. We're, pot, we're, we're clay in your hand, and you're the potter. And we're here for you to move through, to speak through, to minister to, in Jesus' name. And we praise you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus, right now. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. 